I've told you all my chest story before, and uh, I, that guy was beating us. Well, he was beating me bad. Take your Bibles, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. But he was beating me. I mean, oh, it was terrible. It wasn't even funny uh, how bad he was beating me. And you know, it, it's easy. Uh, if you play chess and you just joke around with it and you really don't understand the game, it's really not that big a deal. But if you're a really a good chess player, I was, and somebody beats you like he was beating me, it's, it's, it's just humbling. <laughs> I mean, I can't even tell you how humbling that is. Uh, it is. It is when you know that he's doing this to you and there's nothing you can do about it and he starts in this game and two or three moves into the game, he takes over the board and you know how to move the pieces and you know how to win and you know how to play and you know how to be aggressive and you can play that game and somebody comes in and just wipes the floor with you. Uh, that's a humbling thing, man. I mean, it's just humbling. And the key to that thing, but, but the key was I hung in there to the very end. And he never got my king. I kept trying to protect my king. He got my queen. He got my rooks. He got my bishops. He got everything. He left me with a few pawns. Now, that's where he had, he was a wise person. He took all the major pieces, left pawns, so that he could block you in using pawns because pawns can't move like bishops can. That's a devil, man. The devil will do that to you. Uh, he'll leave some little minor things in your life all around and he'll use those things to block you in. Well, what he didn't realize is, like he said, if you got the king on your side, the king always waits till the last couple of minutes. You have to get real close to the king to take him. You got to get him in a place where you can't. And that's what he was doing. So all my, my pawns were in line, and he was trying to get me behind that line in this hole. He could have brought a rook down, checkmate, a couple moves. I think three or four moves I was checkmating. There was nothing I could do. He made a bad mistake. Uh, Satan made a bad mistake one day. Iniquity was found in him, and he sinned. And he didn't catch it. But there's coming a day when the Lord's going to, I mean, you get out to Revelation chapter, go to Revelation real quick. I, I, this has nothing to do with, the, but that, that was a great, great message right there, man. That was, little boy had a great one. Revelation chapter 20. You know, you, you got to remember some things here. That, uh, I'm going to get into the message here in just a second. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. We will. And you, it'll, be, it'll be there. Uh, chapters, chapter 20, verse 7, it says, And when a thousand years expired, Satan shall be loosed out of, the, out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. And you're hearing about all this stuff happening now, but this has nothing to do with it. There's still seven years tribulation going to happen. And then a thousand years past that. So you're looking at a thousand years, thousand plus years before anything ever happens like this. Gog and Magog, to, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth. Now they come up up there. They're going to fight. They're going to put up a good fight. They're going to put up a good show. And compass the camp, and you, the camp of the saints. And you think the saints are at this point is like me. Uh, your, your, your minor things are there, and you're going to get blocked in, and you're going to lose. Uh, saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down out of, uh, from God out of heaven and devoured them. And that's it. That's done. It's over. See you later. Bye. It's finished. Uh, he 6,000 years, Satan has been messing with his planet, uh, trying to tear it apart, trying to do everything. And right there on the seventh end of the 7,000 year, Lord just says, I'm done with it. Boom. And he's gone. Uh, that's the way that chess game was. <laughs> I was so happy when I got the opportunity. When I looked at that board, I'm like, did he? And you know what gratification is? Is when you know how to play the game and you've been humbled. He says, uh, before honor is humility. And you got to get some humility in your life. Well, you know what's wrong with most Americans today? I was talking to Brother Jerry a few minutes ago. We have no humility. 
We think, we think we're something. Brethren, we're nothing. You have just been blessed to be in a country that has, has the ability to do what we've been doing over the last two or 300 years. That's it. The rest of this world has not been that way. And, and I, I mean, I was humbled. I was humbled, but I didn't quit. And I couldn't quit. I just couldn't quit. I, I just, I'm not a quitter. I think quitters never win and winners never quit. Just don't quit. Just hang in there. I don't care how bad it gets. Just don't quit. And, with, and he made that move, and I remember that day for the rest of my life. I mean, I can still see myself sitting in the chaplain's office right now, and I see that chessboard right in front of me right now, and I see that moron make that move right now, and I'm looking at that thing. You know what a blessing is? Is when you know how to play the game, and you understand how to move the pieces, and you know how to be aggressive, and you know when you're getting tore up, <laughs> and, you, and you sit there, and you... You know when the other guy knows he knows you know that he knows that he's beating you. That's even worse. I mean, there's nothing worse than having somebody get you on the ground and just beat you up, and there's nothing you can do about it, and you know he knows that there ain't nothing you can do about it. And I'm sitting there going, man. I said, and then all of a sudden he makes that move, and I'm looking at him and say, two moves, checkmate. I can checkmate him in two moves. He just blew it. Well, did he really do what I just think he did? Then he caught what he thought he just, I knew he, and when he knew I knew that he knew, he just blew it. Boy, that chessboard went in the sky, pieces went all over the place, and he left. I picked up all the pieces, put them all back on the table, and had it all set up for the next chess game. I have not played chess seriously since. Not one game, not one game. Uh, the Lord taught me a valuable lesson. Uh, there's always somebody better, but there's nobody better than him. And he, and he can take care of everything. Revel, uh, uh, Acts, or Hebrews, I'm in Acts. I'm in, it doesn't matter, man. It's all good. I, I was, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. I was down, I went down to Florida to drop off the freezer in the um, the refrigerator to uh, Dr. Peacock's church. He's in Alaska, so y'all pray for him. He's up there having probably a really tough time. Uh, and uh, so I get down there, 12 hours down. Uh, I pull in, uh, Brother Woodard's got four or five people to help us get the, everything off. We get it off, we get it in there. I took a real quick tour of the building. The, the outside is, is done, I mean, pretty much it's dried in. The inside's all framed out, uh, aluminum frames. They're going to try to have the auditorium and the fellowship hall done for the Jubilee this year. Uh, but you know what got me when I drove down there? I said, Lord, I said, and I listened to, I have Pilgrim's Progress on my uh, MP3 player. And so I go down there. I listen to the entire book of Pilgrim's Progress on the way down and, and half of the rest of it on the way back. I listen to 90% of the Bible all the way down, all the way back. And it, it just I, every time I turned radio on, it just made me sick, so I turned it back off. What made me sicker than anything is every time I pulled up to a gas pump, it was 110 15 20 bucks to fill that van up. It cost me $800. Well, it costs you guys $800. Bucks. Jerry's over biting his fingernails. But I don't really care. It cost us $800. Uh, 800, about 50 bucks to get that van down there and get it back. Uh, and I'm thinking about all you guys in the church, and I'm like, well, you know, all this stuff is happening, and some people don't make a lot of money, and, and you spend a lot of money doing everything you're doing, and food and everything's going up. And, and sometimes you, you, it's like playing a chess game. That's what that is. You think you're losing. You're really not losing. You're, there's no way you can lose this game, by the way. There's no possible way you can lose. The game is won. It is won. You just got Hebrews. I all the way down there, man. I was sitting there going, man, I'm sure glad church is paying for this. Man, I'm sure glad church is paying for this. I know Jerry and Mike and them are all going to be telling me I'm crazy when I get back, but I'm sure glad they're paying for this. Chapter, chapter Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. This passage got me. Actually, 
Uh, it says, by faith the walls. And it, it starts here, and it ends with a great, it's a great uh, passage of faith and uh, the, the men of faith, and it stops with, with Joshua. And that's pretty impressive. I mean, Joshua, uh, the Lord says, Joshua, look, man, I, I'm bringing you in land. Just don't say a word. Just you and everybody walk around Jericho. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive to me. Walk around Jericho. Keep your mouth shut until I tell you to speak. And they do that six days. On the seventh day, they go around, they blow the horns, and the walls all fall down. That's impressive. If that isn't impressive enough to you, uh, then you got something wrong with you. But however, comma, what really is impressive is this lady that is a Gentile stuck his string out her wall up on the third floor. She got all her family in there. And that's the only section of the entire ball, the thing. It took him one day to walk around that building, that, that Jericho. And all of those walls, all the way around, this one pillar-looking thing stood up, and at the top of that thing was a string hanging down, and that was Rahab the harlot. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, everybody, Rahab said, I know you guys are coming in. I know y'all are going to take over. I know this is going to happen. I know, can you take care of me, by the way? And they said, you don't say this, you don't say that, and you hang your string out your wall, and you'll be done. I'm, what I'm going to tell you right now is, as a Gentile, this, this passage I'm looking at right now, as a Gentile, it starts with a Gentile. And Rahab got her name in that list as a Gentile. And if you want to be in that list and get what they got, you're going to have to do something when it's your turn. And brethren, what the world wants to do is scare you into thinking you're all locked in and you can't do nothing, you can't do nothing, you can't, and, and it's all falling apart and you don't have this and you don't have this. By the way, uh, she lost everything she had that day. When she got there, the walls fell down, the city was taken. Uh, Achan, he, he was Achan after he got done. But isn't it amazing names? Names are really strange names sometimes. People... Uh, he did something wrong, and he was aching after he got stoned all over the place. But, uh, the, and they even took him to the Valley Aiken, and all the friends around him were aching. So if you hang around somebody that's aching, you're going to ache too with them. So don't hang around somebody doing wrong. Uh, and, and you, oh, well, how do you know they're doing wrong? They are, you do wrong because you do wrong. And you've done wrong before, and you're going to do it again. And, and oh, I was tempted. No, you were doing that before. That's another message. I ain't going to go there. Uh, Rahab the harlot. So it starts right here in... in and uh, so Joshua, he goes around, the walls fall, Rahab's left, and she gets blinded. Rahab's in the bloodline too, man. That's even cool. Uh, by faith, verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after uh, they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab uh, perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and of David, also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith seduced kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lion, quenched the violence of fire, uh, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to, to flight the armies of the aliens. That isn't the coming, that's not them. Uh, it goes, uh, who received their dead, raised again to life, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, and uh, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. You know the world's not worthy of you? That's not pride, and that's not prideful, that's not arrogant. They're not worthy of me. 
I got Jesus Christ in me, and I go out and tell them, and they don't want nothing to do with it. They're not worthy of that. But you know what he says? He says, go out and tell them. He goes, but remember, just remember, I know that the world's not worthy of you guys. Now, that's not to puff you up at all. That's just to let you know your status. You ought to know your status, of whom, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, nothing, zero, nothing, and in dens and caves of the earth. Anybody in here live in a cave in the den of the earth? Anybody in here wondering about mountainside, wondering about the, where they're going to get the next meal? We will be shortly. Don't worry. Uh, we got a great uh, government in place right now, and they're going to make sure that we're all that way. Uh, all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now, remember that word promise there. God having provided some better thing for us. Yeah. That they, talking about all of them, all of them, Rahab, all of them, all of them, all of them, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for the word of God. I do pray that you'd give us something precious out of your word. And Lord, uh, help us to just continue on. I know days could be hard. They, they, could, they may go away. They may be everything. But uh, Lord, uh, it, at the way it's going right now and the prices of everything going up, uh, everybody's going to be trying to scrimp and save and get themselves through uh, this time period. Lord, you know that uh, down through history, uh, even yourself, you came. And Lord, but you could do things that nobody else could do. But uh, Lord, we have you dwelling in us, and we can do things that nobody else can do also. And Lord, I just pray now that you would help us to see that, uh, see it through. And Lord, this is our time to shine. Help us to do that in this lost and dark and dim world. And Father, again, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's a blessing, man. I was sitting there reading that passage, and that last verse kind of stuck in my mind. I couldn't get it out. And it started with Rahab. I, I was just thinking about Rahab, and I was thinking about Joshua and Abraham and all them. And, and that last verse, when he sat there and said, God, having provided something better, it's a better thing for us. Uh, they're looking for a promise, and the promise isn't eternal life. The promise is a piece of dirt. They have been looking for that piece of dirt from Adam all the way down. They're looking for that promise. It started with Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you that piece of land. I'm going to give you that dirt. They lived their lives and they died and they did everything, never receiving that piece of dirt. And they're going to get that dirt one day. But they ain't going to get it without us. I thought, Lord, you are not leaving us out nowhere. No matter how you look at this book, any way you look at it, he says that they, without us, they can't get there if we don't get there. You're talking about a massive resurrection at the very end of this thing. Some of them have already gone up, but that don't count. That's not what the resurrection is talking about. That's not the promise he's talking about. There's a millennial reign of Jesus Christ, and the Jews are going to get what God's promised to them. Abraham's going to get it. David's going to come back up. He's going to rule and reign. When you start looking at these men down through here, and I just threw some of them down. Gideon, Gideon, oh, man, I'm telling you what, Gideon. I still haven't ever figured that one out. I, I still, I don't know if I'll ever figure out how a, 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 a thing can roll into the tent, into the, the, the uh, enemy's thing, their, their camp, and this, this thing rolls in like a tumbleweed, and they go, oh, it's the sword of Gideon. I don't know how in the world, unless it had a piece of paper on it, said, Gideon's coming, Gideon's coming, Gideon's coming. I have no idea how that thing happened. But it's amazing what God can do and put into people's mind, and we forget. Gas prices mean nothing, brother. If you, if you can't drive, don't. Find a way. There's always a way out. Figure your way out until you get to the place where you can't figure it out no more, and then go from there. There's always a way to work it out. I mean, I don't care. We'll do whatever we have to do here. I could care less. I mean, it, as long as we can keep the lights on, that's all really I care about. And keep the air conditioner on because I know y'all won't come if you don't have AC. But uh, we'll keep the AC on and the heat on in the winter. 
But I'm telling you, brother, other than that, I know that God's going to, he's promised me something. And he's not going to quit until it's over. And no matter how bad it gets like that chess game, I don't care how, you know, I've, I've done, my dad did that to me in a pool hall one time too. I told you all that story. The Lord showed me something. I mean, he comes up. I've never seen him pick up a pool cue in my life. Not in my life. And I lived in the pool hall. And I was beating everybody. It's amazing how God will let you do stuff, and then he'll put you around somebody that'll just make you feel like you're a moron, an idiot. And I'm sitting there playing pool. I'm beating the keno. I don't care what game you want to play, eight ball, nine ball. Anything you want to play, I could play you, and I could play with the best of them. I never watched my dad. Now, my dad was the best drunk you've ever seen in your life. I was in bars with him at 12 years old all the way up, probably 10, 11. I was in there stocking coolers, and he was taking the money I was making and buying drinks and running around with women in there in front of me with my mom. I watched my dad do this. Never once in all those years did I ever see him pick up a pool. I never even seen him next to a pool table. And I was sitting there, and he kicked me out of the pool hall because I was spending too much money and time down there. You would think if I was so good, I wouldn't be spending all that money, but hey, I didn't see it. I was stupid. Uh, so anyways, uh, he, he come in. We, the air conditioner broke in there, and he came in like Rodney. He's heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and he plumbing, and he's going to fix their air conditioner, and he makes me go in there. I was so mad. I could, I could taste that so mad. It's like, it's like today we had our grandkids, and we had to go pick up mom's car. And, and all the way up there, can we go to McDonald's? I can't have McDonald's. And, and little Alice goes, and I want a milkshake. I was so happy when I found out their milkshake machine was down. That taught that little sucker something. But anyways, I, I mean, don't you just hate that when somebody rubs stuff under your nose and you can't? Well, that's what I felt like that day with my dad in the pool hall. I think he was rubbing it under my nose. I had to walk by seven pool tables to get back to where the air conditioner is. And dad knew it. I think he was just chuck, chuckling. He, 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 he. And, and on the, when we got done doing what we were doing, he said, Mike, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said, what's that? I was mad at him. He said, I'll play you one game pool. Anything you want to play. Anything. He said, we'll play one game. If you win, you can come in here all you want. If you lose, promise me you won't come back. And you say, well, your dad's a drunk. Sure, I don't care what's happened to you in life. You can learn from just about anybody. So my dad said, here, I'll let you rack them. I said, okay, we'll play eight ball. And I knew that when you hit eight ball, you're going to scatter them, and no matter what happens, they're all over the table. I said, that's fine. We'll play eight ball. We'll break them. And nothing fell on me when I broke. He said, you can break, too. You can break. So it, I broke. He ran that stinking table. Three, four row bank shots was like nothing to him. He ran that table. He chose, I forget whether it was stripes or solids. I forget. But wherever those balls were sitting on that table, he took every one of them out, and then he took the eight ball out, and he said, you made a promise. I have never walked back in a bull hall since. Now, I'm telling you, man, I, you know what he, and you know what he, he looked at me and he said, Mike, how do you think your brother, my brothers, Uncle Lee, Uncle Buddy, uh, Uncle John, and my dad, four brothers. Now, John Henry went to the church of God. He was in church all the time. He had a suit and tie. You would think that he was a, a good goody two shoes. And dad said, how do you think all four of us made our money? He said, we went down to, down on 66 in Lebanon, Kentucky, where, I mean, that is, that is, them are bars. These, these here, these are like nightclub things. Those are bars. These are where you get hurt and killed and stuff down there, in the hollers. I mean, this is the place. He goes, where do you think we made our money? We found suckers like you every day. We see you come in, we play and let you win a little bit, and then we take you to the bank. And what he told me there is, he said, wait a second, you know, there's, there's, this world has almost 8 billion people in it. 
And there's no possible way you can understand everything. And everybody has different talents and skills. They all have skill sets. Uh, and you can't win unless you keep your king on the board. If you can keep your king on the board for the whole game, you're going to win. Because, wow, the king's already won. He's won. I don't care what the other side does. It doesn't matter. Gideon, Gideon sit there, and he did this, and I've told this story before, and I think it's a great story. Gideon comes down through there, and he scared to death because not only did he have 22,000 people, but the Lord took away 21,000, uh, six, 700 people out of the way and said, Gideon, you're going to go down there with 300. And, and as far as, like grasshoppers out there, man, and Gideon says, oh, uh, uh, how am I going to know? Well, the wet, the dry, there's a, but that's not enough. He said, fine, it's not enough. Get on, go down there, take a friend with you, go down there, and just listen. That's when the tumbleweed goes in. That just, it blows me. The water gets you on both sides. Uh, let the dry, ground be dry, let the fleece be wet, and let the fleece be wet, and let the ground be dry. That was a, that's enough. No, it, but God says, no, that's not enough. I don't want you to do something half-hearted. I want you to do it with all your heart. You know where faith comes in? It's everything. It's all or nothing. It's not pieces and parts. It's all or nothing. You can't have 98% faith and get something done by God. You can't do it. God's looking for somebody who, I didn't say not scared. I didn't say not fearful. I did not say, but doubting, man. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know why he runs us through all the stuff he runs us through? Do you understand why he does that? He does that to build up your faith. He doesn't start you out jumping off an Empire State Building and then expect you to get faith and you ain't going to hit the ground and get splatted down there. He don't do that. What he'll do is he'll start out with something real simple, a little small. Like, hey, do this. Get saved. Don't worry about all the rest of the stuff. Just get saved. And then you say, well, I don't know. And you argue about that for half your life. And then you get saved. Then he says, hey, get baptized. You know one of the hardest things to do is get somebody to get wet? Because it's their pride. Only by pride come with contention. That's it. There's no other place that, there's no other, only by pride. When two people have a problem, one or both of them got a pride problem. And the pride problem, and if, it's, if, if you can get one of them out of the way and just get the, the discussion between that person and God, that's a simple solution because God ain't got no pride problem. It has to be you and you're done and you need to surrender. Get somebody to get wet, that's the second thing. But you know what that is? Baptism, is just, you just get wet. It don't get you saved. But it does, what it does is increase your faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The two, command, the two uh, ordinances we got is baptism and communion. I don't overdo communion because I don't want it to become so second like Catholic church because I was raised Catholic where every Sunday morning you take communion and all of a sudden you think you're eating Jesus. That ain't it. You do that thing because of what Jesus told you to do and what it does is increase your faith. Your faith has to be constantly increased in him and what will happen is one day the world will start going off to the wayside and the Lord will start coming into this thing and all this other stuff. There's a billion different ways that the devil can get us off track. And what the Lord says is keep your mind. Man, I tell you what, I, if you ever want to listen to Pilgrim Progress, it's got some issues in it. I'll tell you, it's got some issues, some minor ones, but they're there. And if you want to nitpick at it, you can nitpick at it. But you can just remember it was written 400 years ago uh, by candlelight in a guy locked in a prison cell in Bedford, England. And he didn't have nothing to do it with except corks on, out of a milk jug. Now, we won't sit down unless you got a computer with 5G internet access and you can search everything and, and copy what everybody else writes down and puts it down there and said that's what you did. That uh, Bunyan didn't do that. He had a dream, and he wrote his dream down, and, and that thing turned into a book. And the next thing you know, uh, he's sitting there, and I listen to that thing all the way down there. 
You know what Pilgrim's main job was? To keep his mind on the kingdom, on the going home. That's where our main job is. Every time you go to gas pump, forget it, man. Either put the gas in or don't. If you can't get $10, get $5. Don't go. Just stay home for a while. There's nothing wrong with staying home, by the way. Staying home is pretty cool. I like staying home. Beth, I can't get her to leave home anymore. I mean, she, she's like, going on a venture? I'll see you later. Bye. I'll pray for you. That's about it. Uh, but but you, when you sit there and look at it, all this stuff, Gideon, all of them, it's, it's, they're building your faith. They're building your faith. They're building. Brethren, we're at a place right now where we can shine. You have the opportunity to shine right now. You don't have to say a word. All you have to do is not get mad when everything goes bad. Because it's going to go bad. And if you think it's not going to go bad, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. It's going to go bad. Go look at the gas pump. I, I passed one day, it's 503 Speedway. I'm thinking, 503, man, that's ridiculous. Uh, everybody's like, where's Trump at? Where's Trump at? <laughs> I think it would have happened under Trump. I just think God got him out of the way so we could blame it on the Democrats. I don't know, man. <laughs> Gideon, Gideon, man, I'm, I'm telling you, Gideon, he went down there, with, and then, then he sends him down there with some lamps and a candle and a lamp, and he says, just break the pitcher and, and blow your trumpet. Don't even pull your, he's got a sword, don't even pull your sword out, man. I don't need you, by the way, to do anything. I just need, I want you to be part of this, and the only reason you're breaking the lamp is I want you to see what's happening. <laughs> I mean, really, what, and then all around that camp, there's 300 guys with lamps, and they break, I mean, could, could you imagine what the 300 guys thought? We're going to go down there. There's grasshoppers all over the place. I mean, these, these Philistines and everybody else like the grasshoppers of the land. And we're going to just break our lamps and blow our horn. And Gideon goes, yep, that's right. You know what Gideon had to have? Gideon had to have the faith in God that he could convince those other 300 men what to do. And you know what the Lord knew? The Lord knew Gideon needed something. And you know what the Lord gave Gideon? What he needed. Now, Gideon had to do what God told him to do. And the Lord never got mad at him when he said, hey, I know you God. Got it, got it, man. You're like way out there. You're God. And you told me to do this, and I know that, but I just want to make sure. Can I do the fleece thing? <laughs> and the Lord said, sure, go for it, man. And he does it. He goes, well, can I like, doubly make sure? Can I do it again, but the opposite way now? And the Lord never killed him. I like that thing with Abraham. Man. Abraham, I, I did. I left Abraham out here purposely, but because everybody knows the story of Abraham, but he knows Lot's going to get it down there. He knows Sodom and Gomorrah's going to get fried, man. You, you said, I think Abraham knew that was Michael and Gabriel. It has to be Michael and Gabriel. It has to be. I, Lord just never messes around with nobody. I don't know about all your angels in heaven and all the other ones, but there's two of them that the Lord just really likes, and Michael and Gabriel seem to be the two uh, for whatever reason. And, and Abraham sees those two head off down there. He knows it's toast, man. And if I don't do something, and he starts at 50 and whittles his way down to 10, and the Lord pacifies him all the way through that thing, never, never gets mad at him. Sometimes we stop way too early when the Lord tries to tell us something. And we worry about the wrong things when we know that we got the Lord. You know what Abraham had? Every one of these men, Rahab didn't have the Lord on her side to start with. However, she, she stopped down the road somewhere, and she realized it marvels me that people get their lives tore apart and they cannot see God doing that to them. To get them to let go of that stuff, it seems like they grab it harder. And then God has to hit them harder and keep hitting them harder and keep hitting them harder till they let go of that thing. And some people never let it go. They never let go of the thing. I am a wimp. 
Personally, I, am, I, don't, I don't like pain. I don't like pain at all. Uh, I can deal with pain, and I can work through pain, and I can do all kinds of stuff. However common, I don't, it's, I'm not a masochist. I don't want pain. If I can get out of pain. I'm, and when I met Jesus Christ, when I met the Lord, and he said this, I'm like, okay, I surrender. <laughs> I surrender all. Didn't even know the song, man. I was letting go. Why? Because you're not going to win with him. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what he does. You're not going to win against him. And I want to be on the winning side. I just, I don't like losing. I really hate losing. That's why I don't play chess no more. If somebody could beat me that bad, the Lord redeemed me and let me win that game. So I can still tell everybody I win all the time. (laughs) But I didn't win that one because of me. And my dad, but my dad didn't let me win. So he was my dad. So I guess he can get by with that. (laughs) That's just, that's just, I've watched him walk by pool tables. Back to my dad. I'm serious. I was playing this girl pool one time, and I was beating her, and I was feeling good about it. (laughs) He walks by, he goes, hit right there. And he, and he just told her, said, all you got to do is hit, he licked his finger, man, and put a a wet spot on the pool table, on the, on the bumper as he was walking by. He didn't stop and do this. You know, you ever see people do this, do this, do, and they do this. They're phonies, man. Somebody who knows the angles, don't do that. They sit there and go, pop, 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 pop. They already know the angles. And anybody that can in a, in a stride walk, go like it, just hit right there and you'll be okay. And she hits there and kicks three rails and knocks the ball in. I'm sitting there going, are you my dad or what, man? <laughs> you know what? Winning, winning is in our nature. And as Americans, you think you can win everything, but you can't, man. You can't. And it's going, there's going to come a time there's 350, 60, 70 million people in America. Everybody wants. You do realize for you to get, somebody else has to lose. For me to get a buck, somebody else has to lose the buck. Bucks just don't, well, in our, our society, they just make them all day long anyways, but it, bucks don't just appear. And there's a danger, and there's nothing wrong with making money. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good to make money. However, come, it's the way you do it matters and God watches that thing Gideon was just minding his own business in a field I you know now here's the key to this whole thing all these people Gideon Rahab Rahab was just <laughs> Rahab was just Rahab I don't have to go into a lot of what she was doing uh, but I bet you one thing I bet she never was happy with what she was doing I bet you every day in her life she wished that she could do something else and the Lord looked down on her in in Jericho and all the people there and they looked down, and in all those people he seen, like Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he found Rahab. And he watched, you talking about a merciful, kind, gracious God? He watched that lady year after year after year after year. If she was 25, 30 years old when they came there, he watched her year after year for however long she was in her profession. And never did anything. And then came a day. He said, Rahab, today's your day. And two people, he's going to test that thing. Two people come up. And she knows that they're Jews. And she's heard, like Job. I heard by the hearing of the ear. You know what Rahab did? She heard by the hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. I heard by the hearing of the ear. Now I see with my eyes. Rahab had heard what the Jews had done to everybody else. She didn't see it. She just heard. And she knew it was going to happen to them. There was no way out. She was, she was completely... On, she was on, on God's side. I know this is going to happen. And she was like, how can I get out of it? Well, she took care of those two guys. And, she, and she, all they said is, she said, when you come, will you remember me? 
She had no idea what was getting ready to happen. Boy, I tell you what, later on down the road, there's a guy named Boaz. And Boaz, that's his grandma. And Boaz marries a lady named Ruth. And they have a couple kids, and one of them's Jesse, down the road a little ways, grandkid. And Jesse gets married, and he has a, a son, his name is David. And David's going to come back and rule in the millennium. And you say, what is that? That's God looking down, having grace and mercy and kindness. And we, we have a problem when our brothers and sisters mess up, and we can't forgive them, yet God does. I don't think, man, but you know why we miss faith, we miss this stuff, and we worry about the gas pumps, and we worry about the meat at the stores, and we worry about the food and everything else? Hey, guess what? I can say that now. I'm losing weight. <laughs> Lose some weight. I told Steve that, man. I came up here the other day, and him and Andrew was back. I can't say it to Andrew yet, but I will one of these days. Steve was sitting there eating his donut with a hole in it. The only thing I can have is the hole. I can't have nothing around the hole or anything on the outside of that, but... Steve sticks his donut in his little fat face <laughs> while he's eating it in front of me, making me try to feel bad. I don't feel bad here at all, man, because here why. I told him I was going to do this one day. I said, brother, there's going to come a day when I, did I not tell you that? I said, there's going to come a day when I'm going to tell, that, and you can call me hypocrite, you can call me everything you want, but I'm going to say, I'm not, you are. <laughs> you say, what is that? It's payback, man, payback. If he ever gets up here and preaches, I told him he could come up and preach before. If he ever gets up here, he can do his thing. Uh, then you got Barak. Barak, man, is, a, is another guy. Gideon, Gideon did his thing, won the war. Rahab survived the, the thing, got married. Bloodlines down through there. Uh, God never finished with her. That wasn't the end right there, Jericho. I mean, it goes all the way down to today. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ hung on that cross out of the seeds of David. Nathan, uh, David had two sons, Nathan and Solomon. Nathan is Mary's bloodline. And Solomon is Joseph's bloodline. Joseph was kicked out of there, but Keniah, Jeconiah, and Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, and God put his seed in Mary, and Mary had a baby right out of the seed of David. And my Lord and Savior, 2,000 years ago, hung on the cross and made a way for me. And, but it doesn't end there. What I was telling Jerry a little while ago, I got, I got Barak. Barak was going to sit here. I'll, I'll get back to Jerry thing in a second. But Barak, Barak got up there, and, and Deborah, a woman, because if God can't use a man, he'll use a woman. And if you won't do it, guys, he'll use the ladies. And I ain't going to let the ladies. I know he'll use my wife, man. My wife tells me all the time what I should do. And she's right most of the time, but I won't pay no attention to her anyways. I just refuse. When she tells me what to do, I go do the wrong thing just to do it, just because I'm a man. Uh, or at least I wait till she leaves and then do it her way, but I ain't going to let her see it all the time. But Barak was told by Deborah to go do this thing, and Sisera, he was going to take Sisera out. And he goes, I'll only go if you go. And he goes, man, look, if you don't go by yourself, there will be no honor in this thing. And he wouldn't go, and she went, and a lady took Sisera out. And he could have had the honor. You know what, you know what for us? Now, Barak is still in this line. He mentions these men and these ladies down through there. Samson, we all know about Samson. Jephthah burned his daughter. God's a wicked man, uh, and God still uses him, and he's in the line of faith. Why is that? Because he did what God told him to do, and he wasn't afraid to do it. Samuel, we know all about Samuel. Samuel was the first little boy, and, and his mom gave him up. Yeah, we say, oh, that's a terrible mom. Really? She gave her kid to God. What are we doing? What, what, I don't think Hannah, I don't think there's a problem in the world with Hannah. She loved her son enough that she gave, first of all, she loved God enough. When he kept his word to her, she kept his right back, hers right back. And we got 1 and 2 Samuel because of that. And all the stuff he did. 
Then you got, you got, and he says, and of the prophets. You got Elijah. Man, I like Elijah. I like it when he stands up there and says, don't rain, it don't. I like him when he stands up there and says, it does rain, and it does. I like it when he takes off running because he's whatever the reason. I heard all kinds of preachers preach all kinds of things. But you know, I don't really care because I'm like that. I run too sometimes. Have you ever run? Have you ever been scared and, and failed and thought you were just out of God's will and you run? I've done that. I've done that a lot of times. Well, I'm sure glad God used Elijah in the Bible and tell me. I like, I like it when he's sitting on the mountaintop up here just chilling out thinking, Lord, what are we going to do today? And 50 come up. And they say, oh, man of God. Well, what an arrogant way to approach Elijah. Oh, man of God, come down. The king says, come down. And fire comes down and burns him all up. I said, man, that's pretty cool. I'm sure glad I can't do that. <laughs> we have black spots all over the place. But the only problem is if I could do it, somebody else could do it, and I might be a black spot too. So I'm glad we can't do that anymore. But then, then this other guy comes up, and he heard the story. And he goes, well, let's go over there real quick, man. Go to, go to Judges. Or don't go to the First Samuels, First Kings 17, First Kings, is it? No, it's first, Second Kings 1, Second Kings 1. We'll look at that one real quick. I'll shut up here in just a second. Maybe. I doubt it, but uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe. This is only going to be a couple-minute message, man. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I started looking at these three guys one time, and I'm like, these three guys, the third one's a good guy. The second one is learning, but the first one was stupid. Thou man of God. No, no, no thinking of authority. He has no idea of chain of command. He thinks that his king is the chain of command, and he's left the king of the, the castle out. He left God out. Man of God. Oh, uh, thou man of God. Then the next one, down in verse 11, uh, chapter 1, 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 11, he says, again, also he sent a, another a captain of 50 with his 50, and he answered and said unto him, O thou man of God. So he's given him some credence. He says, thus the king said. Well, Elijah don't really care what the king says. Well, he cares what the king says, but not that one. He gets his king. I like the third guy. The third guy's, he says, oh, for down in verse 13 at the end. He sent another 50. So that's 100, 100 of them plus the two captains. They all got burned up. So there's 102 people just fried. Brown, black spots. Elijah don't even move, man. I mean, he, he barbecues them. They, they're just ashes on the ground. There's no smell, no nothing no more. So he can sit there all day long. He don't really care. And again, he, uh, again, he sent again a captain of, of the third. Was it? And he sent again a captain of the third 50 with his 50. And the third captain of the 50 went up, came, fell down on his knees before Elijah and besought him, said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee. He don't even mention a king. He's in line with, he's in line with Elijah. I'm right in line with Elijah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get down here with Elijah, and I know what Elijah can do. I know what God can do. I don't care about the king no more. It's just me and you, and you're gonna kill me. And I'm going to ask you not to. Elijah says, okay. <laughs> Pretty good, man. You know what happens if you get in line with God? He listens. If you get out of line with God and, and you want to go to be a Catholic or a Baptist or, or something else. I'm a Baptist, man, but I'm, I'm a Christian. And I don't get out of the line of God. I listen to what the Lord says. And you want to go somewhere else? Good. You're going to get fried is what's going to happen. Eventually, you're going to come up. That captain was an old man, had 50 guys under him, and he got all 50 of them killed. The second one came up, had 50 under him, and he got off. That guy was in the, in the chain of command over here, man. He had everything going right over here, and he got killed. All 50 of them got killed with him. The last one said, I care about my 50, but I care about me too. Old man of God. 
please. And he got in there where it was right. He's mentioning these people in Rome. Go back to Hebrews. I'm just about done. Just about done, maybe. Oh, God, forgive me for my line. <laughs> hey, man, it's good. I talked to my mom today. Y'all pray for her. She's coming around. Uh, her, they said she needs to get up and get the anesthesia, and she's starting to get back to normal. Got her car back. Going to take it down there to her tomorrow. She's in a wheelchair now. They said that's where it's happening. They get her in a wheelchair, then they'll get her up walking. They're just trying to get her out of bed and moving around. And she goes, where am I at, Mike? Michael, where am I at? I said, you're in, in rehab. How far am I from Shepherdville, Kentucky? I said, Beth, how far is she from her house? 30 miles, 30 minutes. How, uh, that's about another 10, 15 minutes to Shepherdville. I said, you're about 45 minutes away. Where am I? I said, you're right down on the Ohio River. I said, you know where U of L is? She goes, yeah. I said, you're right in that midst of that whole thing, right there by the river. The river's right here. She thinks, and she, I said, Mom, she goes, you need to get me out of here. They are mistreating me. I'm going to tell you all right now, you better, you better think about what you're, you ever ask God for. My mom used to say all the time, I want to go to the hospital where they'll take care of me. She goes, the hospital ain't taking care of me. Rehab ain't taking care of me. None of the hospitals took care of me. Nobody, I said, I said, duh, they just want your money, and they want to get rid of you. They want you to get back out in the world. They don't want, she thinks you're going to go in and get manicures and all this other stuff, and they're going to all be around a room saying, oh, Francis, tell us all. No, it ain't going to happen. That's not life, brethren. Elijah, Elijah sits up here and does his thing. So back here in, in uh, the chapter that we're in, he talks about Elijah, and then, then he says, and the prophets, Samuel and the prophets, Elijah, Elijah, Daniel, Jonah. Jonah, man, got up there sitting under a tree, all mad because God did what he wanted. God still used him, still loved him. Hezekiah, go to uh, 2 Kings, you know, Josiah's a little young man, eight years old when he takes the kingdom. He wants to repair the kingdom. He wants to repair the uh, temple. He wants to repair the, the place where God dwells, and he sends him out to get the money and give it out to, to I mean, he's just trying to do whatever he could do as an eight-year-old kid, and they listen to him. And they go in there and they find the word of the Lord in the temple. They find the word of God. You know what's wrong with a lot of churches? They don't have the word of God. Or if the word of God's in, they don't even know they got it. They go, oh, they got a Bible sitting up here like this. They don't know what they got. Amen. Having a King James Bible in your hand is useless if you don't believe that that's the word of God. Amen. Now, I'll tell you what. Hang out with people long enough until you get to the place where you believe it is too. Uh, if you don't believe it quite yet, just hang out long enough. You'll get it. But I'm telling you, man, unless you believe that, when they read that thing, they go, whoa, we found the word of God in the, in the temple of God. Well, where else would you think you would find it? How could it, number one, get lost? How could you lose something as precious as that? Because you thought something else was more precious. Maybe the money coming in was more precious. Or the accolades of people coming in and seeing me in my phylactery and little bells all over the place. And that was more precious. No, the word of God is what's precious. Samuel knew what was precious. All these, you know what God's seen about all these men he's seen? Hezekiah's seen it was precious. Dr. Rutman wrote this right here. He says, it has to be, uh, it has to be not just a resurrection. Now, he's talking about that last verse where it says, God having provided something better, something, some better thing for us, that they, all them people I just talked about, they're not going to get nothing that you and I don't get. And they're not going to get it before we get it. And guess what? You're not going to get it before they do. You may be saved in here tonight. But if you want, if you want something more than just sit in heaven on a cloud with a harp going, bring, bring, bring. Brother, you're going to, have to do something. Now, I don't believe in works and faith. I believe I was saved by grace through faith. That not of yourselves get to God. Not of works, lest any man boast. I believe I got saved. The day I got saved, I trusted Jesus Christ. Eternally, I'm saved. 
I couldn't lose it if I wanted to. That's how great he is. However, comma, he says, Mike, I gave everybody the same thing. You say, well, you're smarter than I had My brother told me I was smarter than him. I said, no, I just took what he gave me 43 years ago and started trying to do something with it. And for 43 years, there's people greater than me all over the place. Everywhere. I don't really care. All I can do is with what's in front of me right now. Here it is. This is what I got right here. And I can take that and I can make two out of that. And I can take the two and make four. And I can take the four and make six or eight or whatever. And that's all I can do. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Don't look at everybody else. Look at what God gave you. And if and I, I like uh, him, uh, Dr. Peacock always told me that the guy who would crawl underneath there. He came into, the, his dad came into his church one day and heard him scraping, 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 scraping. And it's a guy laying on the ground with, with the, the uh, leg things and can't walk. And he's scraping the gum off the bottom of the pews. That we stuck there. Because you're not supposed to chew gum in church. And then you get another piece. It'd be better to get up and walk out and go dump it somewhere. But no, we leave it under. That's God's. That's what we have. That's what the typical per... Nah, I better shut up, man. I'm going to... It has to be not just a resurrection, but the resurrection that brings the Old Testament saints back to this earth to inherit the ground on this. The promise that he promised Abraham. You know what they've been doing their whole lives? Every one of them was waiting for that promise, and they never got it. Because it says right there in Hebrews, he said, he goes, uh, all these, having obtained a good report of faith, receive not the promise. Brethren, you got it there. You got saved. You haven't got the payment yet. You got the, the uh, earnest of the inheritance, but you haven't got the, the but you got, you got something they didn't get. But the Lord says, don't worry about it, brethren. It's not about the five, six, seven, eight, ten dollar gas at the pumps. It's not about boats and cars and everything else. It's not about all that stuff. What it's about is one of these days. You know, you, you really honestly, my mom, I'll tell you what, my mom always tells me, I call her Beth, I, this is 40 years. James Michael, I'm going. If, I, if I, I could get the phone right now and call her, if she's halfway in her mind, this is what she'd say. Almost the same thing every time. James Michael, I'm on, I'm on the edge of committing suicide. I'm going to go down and jump over the jump off the bridge down. I said, no, you won't, because you've got to pay toll to get on the bridge. Number one, you won't do that. I said, number two, the bridge is, belongs to Indiana, and you ain't going to ever leave Kentucky, so you ain't going to do that either. I said, you're not going to do that. I said, number three, I just I told Beth that. I said, she's got one of them 911 buttons around her neck. Why would you have that if you're going to commit suicide? So she falls out the back door, breaks her leg, breaks her hip, and she lays on the ground after for half hour. I'm, I really feel sorry for my mom about that much. I've been trying for 40 years to get her up here, so there's only so far I can go with this thing. But I did feel sorry for her. But she's clicking her 911 button. I'm like, if you wanted to die, there was the perfect opportunity. You could have laid right there for just a little bit longer. The sun would have baked you as a raisin, and it had been over. <laughs> Don't tell me you want to die. <laughs> you got everything in the house to protect you. You got alarms all through on every window. If somebody opens a door to come in and kill you, then you're going to know that they came in so you can die of, I guess, fear. I guess. I don't know, man. I'm sitting there going, people, we don't think what we, we just do, and we, th and we do stuff, and momentarily we get into the, this thing in the moment. And really, you got to stop and walk back and look at the bigger picture and say, Lord, the game's not over yet. And it may not be over for some time. Who really cares? Are you in the game to the end? Only if you're winning? I played a lot of games, man. ETA school, the Lord did that to me too. I think he does all this to me on purpose. He does this for a lesson. You learn it in life. 
I go to school and here's all these 5,200 students and they're just like little stinking Einsteins, man. I'm a moron. I didn't do what I should have done in high school. Young people, I'm going to tell you, you better do what you're supposed to do right now. Don't waste your time. I wasted my time and had to make it up. And it's a lot harder to make it up. Thank God, you know what I thank God for? The Navy gave me a place to sleep. The Navy gave me, I thank all of y'all, by the way. Thank y'all for, uh, you know, doing that for me. Uh, I go into Lowe's and I'll say, thank you for your service. I'm like, whoa, back up, man. No, thank you for letting me. I got to ski the Alps. I got to go all over Jerusalem, Israel. I got to go all through Rome. And I said, because you paid for it. <laughs> I said, man, I said, how can I possibly, how can I possibly? Oh, yeah, it was really terrible. <laughs> It was up to a point, but I didn't care at that. It's a resurrection. Out there in the millennium, there's going to be a resurrection. And we're coming back, and the Jews are coming up, and David's going to come back. That's going to be something really interesting. And Elijah and Elijah is going to be there. The 144,000 is going to be there. And everybody's going to be there. And we're all going to be there at one time. And I know the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to get ours at the marriage supper. And all that. I know we're a different little group here and there. And all this, but in the end of this thing, they're going to get their promise. And if you want to be part of that thing, you're going to have to do some stuff too. This, this stuff where you just think you get saved and that's it, that, that'll get you into heaven. But I want something a little more than that. I want what he wants me to have. I know by John and Mark, or John and James, that the, the seats right next to him are already taken. So I, I let them two get smacked around a little bit for me to figure out I'm not going to be there. But there's someplace else up there I can be. And, there's, and he's going to do that by what I do down here. And if we let all this stuff in this world go out, what we're going to do is dim our lights. And the light's going to go out, and we're not going to be what we're supposed to be. 43 years ago, I got saved on the back. He, he sits there and says this thing. He says, bring back the Old Testament saints back to the earth to inherit the ground God's on. The New Testament saints get in on this deal, and I'm not going to go through all that stuff. Through Ephesians, therefore, can qualify by working, enduring, and serving. Ephesians 5, 2, uh, Ephesians 5 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 to get, to get his piece of land. And it won't be in, in Israel, by the way. Ours is going to be somewhere else. Uh, you may get a galaxy or two. I think the whole universe was built for God. I think the whole thing was built to be inhabited, and he made enough space between everything so we couldn't get out there and mess it up. And I don't care how many ships Elon Musk puts in the sky, and I think it's pretty impressive that he does that, but I don't care how many, they'll never get to any other planet so that we can take sin there and mess it up. God's going to deal with that thing right here. But boy, when he does, you know how much he loves you and how much he, he gives you for just doing right? Right is the key. The flesh wants you to do wrong. The flesh draws. The flesh draws. That thing you did, was that you who did that the other day? Who did that? Rachel, you did it. The guy. That right there, man, God looked down in heaven and said, here's a young lady. Said, no. I'm not ready for that yet. I wasn't ready until I was 32 for a wife. Boy, I was sitting there thinking, I read an article the other day about a guy. Messed up, bad. And I said, I'm sure glad I wasn't that guy. I'm sure glad the Lord didn't give me all that stuff. He gave me just enough, not too much, not too little, just enough. Just enough to get me through life that I can still love him and care about him and still want to talk to him. All has to suffer to get the things God has for them. If you don't think you're going to suffer, $5 a gallon gas, that ain't even beginning to suffer yet, guys. First of all, if you even got a car, you're doing good. 
I mean, most people in the world don't even have a car. You got a car, you're doing good. If you got a gas tank that you can put gas in, you're doing good. If you make some money, I know it's going to cut into your profit margin, all that other stuff. And do what do what God says. Do man, uh, he lo- he loves a cheerful giver. Do what you got to do, man. All has to work to gain right to that inheritance. He's going to give you something, and he's going to see what you do with, and he knows what your ability to do. He never expected the guy who got five to get ten. He wanted him to get five. He wants you to do the best you can. All has to endure hardness as a soldier. This world's going to treat you bad. They're going to treat you worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And they're going to want more and more and more and more and more and more out of you. I know this for 65 years, man. I've been in, I've been in, in uh, service for 65 years, or actually a good 40. And at front, it's like, a, it's like a honeymoon. Oh, we're so glad you're here. We love you, we love you, we love you. Now, unless you get a government job. We love you, we love you, love you. Then, then they don't want you to do nothing because if you do, you're going to make everybody else look bad. I'm telling you, man, it's a strange world. But if you go out in a work sector where you got to make money, they give you a break for a little while, and then all of a sudden they expect you to produce. And if you don't produce, they get rid of you and put something. And then the fear of God comes in your life. <laughs> uh, you know what you got to do? Just learn what you're doing, man. Have fun at it, and, and who cares? There's always another job somewhere else. Uh, all has to endure hardness as a good soldier. You, got, you know what your soldier? When I was in the Navy, you know what I was a sailor in? I was a sailor. I wasn't a soldier. I wasn't a Marine. I wasn't an Air Force guy. I was a sailor. And when I walked up to the ship, I arred. Arrgh, Captain. <laughs> That's what I was. I was a sailor. You know what I wanted to be? I was a sailor. I thought it was the greatest thing in the whole world when the Lord let me be a sailor. That's what I wanted to be since I was 10, 11, 12 years old. That's all I ever wanted to be. As a sailor, you say, why would you want to be? I don't know, man. Too many movies or something. Whatever it was, I wanted to be a sailor. You know what I learned almost everything I ever needed to learn? It was right there as being a sailor. Lord put something in a little boy's heart, and, and I thought there was no way to get it. And I told Beth on the way over here tonight at a red light in Louisville, Kentucky, and I could still take you to that red light. I took her there the other day. Within one minute, my life was determined at that red light. Within one, however long it takes a red light. If it's 35 seconds, 35 seconds is what it was. That, the devil hated that red light so much, he moved it down one block. The red light ain't there no more. The road that I stopped at where that red light was, there's another road right here, and that red light was moved down to there. I laugh at that stuff all the time. You say, what was it? The Lord says, if you want what I have for you, and I didn't even know it was him telling me, I just knew it was something stronger than me, go over and join the Navy. And if I'd have drove on, I would have never went in the Navy. I went right down the road, turned in, went over and signed up the Navy, and everybody thought I was crazy. You know why? You got to, brother, you just got to do what God says do. It starts a little bit. You have to be patient. All has to be patient. They all did it for a place on this earth. We should do it just for him. What are you doing it tonight for, brother? And what are you worried about tonight? What are you worried about? Don't let it, let it go. I've been saying Sunday morning. Let it go. It's not worth worrying about. I love the old preacher, man. I know every time he sees me, he says, don't you ever grow old? No, I don't. My mind, I'm still 20 years old, 22 years old joining the Navy, man. And the excitement is still there. Going down to Jacksonville, people say, why would you drive 30 hours, 12 hours down, 13 hours down, and 13 hours back? Because I can listen to the Bible all the way down. I can listen to Pilgrim's Progress all the way down. I'm by myself all the way down. I should take somebody else because I, I just want to listen to God. I just want to listen to the Word of God. That's all I want to do. Just listen. I just want to think about him on the way down, on the way back. On the That's what I want to do. I've been doing this my whole life, man. That's all I want to do. And the more I, he lets me do it. Y'all had to pay for it, but he lets me do it. <laughs> I don't really care. You know, come back wore out, man. 
I was more wore out just trying to think of what I heard all the way down there and all the way back and Pilgrim doing this and Faithful coming in. You know, Faithful got burned at the stake in Vanity Fair. But then Hopeful comes out of that picture and on the way down the road they go and then they sit there talking about how they get tempted. All this, all this other stuff. I said, yeah, Lord, that's all of us, man. That's me. That's me right there. I'm, I'm one of these guys. And what I did is down through time, I found this other person that I could walk with. And that's why I like brothers and sisters in Christ, man, because at least I can walk with them and we can talk. And we got differences. But you know what I know the Lord does? He says, Mike, there's something better. And that last verse, I'll read it one more time and then I'll be done. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Adam, Eve, all of them. We're going to be right there with them. God doesn't think any more of them than he does you. Don't think any more of this world than you have to. They don't care one thing about it when you leave, that you'll be, you're just a number to them. No matter who you work for, who you see, they don't care. They don't care. Jesus cares. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Lord, I know a lot of things are happening in life, and Lord, I know we got a lot of young couples in here who's just, uh, Lord, struggling to make it ends meet and everything else, but Lord, let them never take their eyes off you. Uh, like that young boy said from the, uh, from, uh, the Ukraine, Lord, that uh, as long as the king is on the board, uh, Lord, there's still a chance. And, Lord, my king is still on the board. You've always been on the board, and there's no way you're going to, as a matter of fact, you own the board. Uh, nobody can take you off the board. Uh, Lord, uh, it doesn't matter what the pieces, all the other pieces look like. It, what matters is are you still on the board. Help us keep our eyes on you. And, Lord, uh, just remember that one of these days, uh, all of us, everybody from the beginning all the way to now, Lord, are going to be there at the same time. And, Lord, you're going to bless and, and love us just because we're there. But, Lord, there's some of us that's going to get a little bit more than others because of what we do. Lord, teach us, uh, Lord, just to keep that joy and excitement in our lives that we can give that to somebody else. There's, you said always be ready to give that answer for the hope that's within you. Lord, help us to do that with a smile on our face. And, Father, again, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for letting us come to church tonight. Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.